and welcome to Barron Talks. I am Chancellor Ralph Ford, and we have discussions on this podcast with interesting people in the Barron and Erie community. Today, my guest is Dr. Ivor Knight. Ivor is our Associate Dean for Research and Graduate Studies here at Barron. Welcome to the show, Ivor. Thanks, Ralph. I am going to run through your bio. Uh, it is impressive, so if you'll just bear with me for a minute. You are our Associate Dean, as I said, for Research and Graduate Studies. You're also a Professor of Biology. And you oversee our strategic research programs, including a very significant partnership that we announced uh, over two years ago, I believe now, uh, with the McGee Women's Research Institute. And we're going to go into a lot more detail about that. You earned your Bachelor of Science degree in Animal and Veterinary Science from West Virginia University. And you have a Ph.D. in Microbiology from the University of Maryland. Before you came here, you served as Senior Vice President and Chief Technical Officer at Canon U.S. Life Sciences and Canon Biomedical, where you led a team that developed uh, products for the human genetic research market, and that led to 66 patents, no small number there. Uh, very importantly, you are a fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Again, welcome to the show. And I would like to start out, and you know, you've been here a few years, but tell us about your path here to Barron. I know I ran through your bio, but how did you end up here in Erie and at Barron? Oh, that's a great question, Ralph. Um, you know, I'm not from the area, um, but uh, as I was uh, uh, moving through my uh, time at Canon uh, and looking at what the next opportunity would be for me, I was hearkening back to my time as a, a professor of biology and chemistry at James Madison University and thought to myself, you know, I'd really, those were great times for me to be a, a professor working with students, doing research, and I really wanted to be able to get back into academia and uh, and uh, work with students uh, both on the you know the research side and the teaching side. I just love working with uh, with students and uh, working with uh, colleagues who are uh, uh, developing new research areas. Um, and so, you know, as I as I began to look around, I, I did my experience in industry um, drove me to. A very few opportunities because, you know, academia and industry often tend to be pretty different in cultures. And, uh, and so when I saw the opportunity at, uh, Barron, I started looking into it and, and saw that Barron, Penn State in particular, and, uh, Penn State and Barron in particular, um, have really an open lab philosophy to, uh, industry. Um, we work, I say we now because I've been here three years. <laughs> um, we work very closely with our industry partners, and that really attracted me. And so when I came on campus and, and found that that was uh, really something that was live and working and real um, at Barron, I was very attracted. And uh, I had been to Erie once before. Um, I do a lot of research on uh, the Great Lakes, and uh, I had been to Erie in, in conjunction with that. And uh, my wife and I love winter and snow. Um, this last snow from Christmas, we, uh, we were out snowshoeing in Wintergreen Gorge. We just loved that, that whole winter scene. So everything came together to come to Barron. Well, it's great that you're here. And, you know, you talked about one thing, which was your experience as a researcher on the Great Lakes. And you spent time, quite a bit of time on, uh, on ships in the Great Lakes conducting research. Can you tell us, like, how did, how did you end up there in your career? Well, um, you know, I went to the University of Maryland, as you mentioned, uh, and got my Ph.D. in microbiology. Um, 
And one of the projects that I just started as I was graduating and carried on during at James Madison University um, was looking at the transport of microorganisms uh, on um, ships. And uh, this was a time when there was a lot of concern about, and there still is uh, quite a bit of concern about ships that were coming into the Great Lakes uh, from overseas and potentially bringing in not only invasive species, but in invasive microorganisms. And so uh, I, uh, I was, uh, did research and did a project where it was a really interesting combination of laboratory work and then uh, getting on cargo ships as they entered um, uh, the St. Lawrence Seaway and, uh, and sampling their ballast water. Uh, and then uh, uh, seeing what kind of microbes were in the ballast water. And so I, I spent a lot of time uh, on the lower Great Lakes, uh, this area as well, in Lake Erie, but also in Lake Superior at the other end of the Great Lakes because the transit goes back and forth a lot. So that was, was a great learning experience for me. I loved interacting with the ship's captains and, and, uh, and you know, in, enjoying learning about their needs uh, as they uh, move cargo about the globe. And that research, that type of research, uh, continues on today. I mean, invasive species, the, the issue's only been magnified since then. And uh, you, you and your team earlier this year, uh, or, or, I'm sorry, it was even last year, I, I forget through this pandemic, uh, worked on finding something called bloody red shrimp in the Great Lakes. Yeah, so that's, that's a really great story, too, because, um, you know, when I got to uh, – to Barron and, and the word got out that I was back in academia, I got a call from uh, somebody who I'd collaborated with many years ago and said, hey, I've got some samples that I want you to look at. And so um, uh, she said, uh, we're, we're looking at uh, the invasive uh, species of shrimp called bloody red shrimp. And I said, wow, that's a cool name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be interested in that. And, uh, and so I worked with a uh, fellow a biology faculty member, Matt Gruel, in, in the biology department here. And we did a little bit of lab work, and we had a student that worked with us. And that turned into a, uh, a project that was both laboratory-based and field-based, looking at uh, uh, finding uh, these shrimp uh, in, in uh, Lake Erie. Now, they hadn't been documented in the Pennsylvania waters of Lake Erie. They were in, um, they were in other parts of Lake Erie, but they hadn't been documented uh, in Lake Erie. And so... My, uh, the students that worked with me that summer, this was two summers ago, um, were really interested in seeing if they could find them in, in the Pennsylvania waters of Lake Erie. And so I said, yeah, go ahead. Um, and you have to look for these creatures at night, uh, and wear red lights and everything. So they went out to the South Pier, uh, one night and, uh, they actually discovered, um, captured them, discovered them. And that was the first sighting of, uh, of the first documented sighting of this uh, invasive species in the Pennsylvania waters of Lake Erie. And that was a real thrill for them because it was a discovery thing for them. And I just love seeing that in students, you know, seeing them kind of light up when they do something that really nobody's ever been ever done before. And, and, you know, to this day, um, those students are still talking about that. Yeah. They realize that, you know, they see this research as something way out there that maybe can't be done for 10 years, but it's not true. They can be engaged and make really significant. They can make significant findings. Yeah, that's true. It's it's great great to be part of that. Let's talk about that land grant research mission. So Penn State University, we're a research university, we're a land grant that has a lot of context to you and I. Maybe you could explain to our our audience what does this land grant mission mean? 
Well, that's a that's a really good question, too. And I was, you know, recently I was looking at the history of Penn State University. And, you know, there's a, a, a president, an early president of, of Penn State, uh, George Atherton. He's actually buried, you know, many Penn Staters will know this. He's buried on the uh, the campus at University Park there. Um, he was a super advocate early days of extending the uh, capabilities of the university. It was very small at that time. It was an agricultural, uh, primarily agricultural, with only like when he started, it was only like seven graduates per year. Um, and he wanted, he saw the industrial revolution happening and, and he knew that uh, Pennsylvania was going to be industrialized and he wanted to uh, be the university uh, that uh, that really reached out to uh, industry, the developing industry within uh, within Pennsylvania, and serve that industry, and serve the communities. And that's what a land grant university is. It was established. The land grant uh, universities were established for that purpose to not only be uh, a place where um, uh, innovation happens and discoveries happen, but Importantly, discoveries and innovation and outreach that benefits the communities in which um, the land grant university finds itself. And so, you know, Pennsylvania uh, being a very large community, um, as we look at uh, Penn State Barron, we are we are part of that and we serve the community that is that we find ourselves in. So northwestern Pennsylvania, we are the land grant university in northwestern Pennsylvania. And that's our mission. Uh, that's 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 part of our mission is to is to be. Uh, that outreach uh, to uh, the community, to industry, and to uh, apply our research uh, in ways that benefit uh, the community, both socially and economically. And it happens in really a lot of ways, and it's sometimes hard for the public to see that. Research happens over a span of years. Sometimes we don't know if uh, a research discovery is going to have impact, I can point to those in my field that took 100 years from great mathematicians back in the 1800s, and I won't bore everybody with that. But, I mean, in, in your in your view, since you've been here, what are some of the really important ways where that, that research is impacting our community right here in Erie? Well, we have one of the great things about, about Barron is we have a diversity of faculty, a diversity of programs, and we can point to several different um, areas, diverse areas. Um, I think of our uh, um, our center for um, outreach and uh, uh, research, the Susan Hurt Hagen Center for uh, Outreach and Research and Evaluation, which reaches out to schools in the community and uh, has mentoring programs and not only conducts mentoring programs, but also develops research around those mentoring programs and new ways to train mentors within the community. So it's directly benefiting uh, the community, the schools, um, and that research that's being done um, uh, helps our kids in, in northwestern Pennsylvania lead better lives. And, uh, and, and so that's, that's on one area. Um, in the sort of science and engineering side of things, uh, there have been, uh, you know, several uh, areas where we've done uh, quite well. One is in the uh, area of uh, plastics uh, manufacturing. So we have a, a wonderful uh, faculty member, um, Dr. Allison Rhodes, who's a world-leading expert in um, how polymers behave under heating and uh, under heating conditions, which um, are used to make plastic. 
And so she's been able to uh, help a number of industries around here, as well as um, uh, advance the field in terms of understanding those principles that drive the um, that, that drive the results of uh, plastics manufacturing. So it's it's kind of like an art and a science together, but she's putting much more science into that art and enabling people to develop structures that are that are much more stable, for example, uh, resistant to uh, degradation, things like that, um, putting those properties in. So so from the socio- sociological, psychological end of things to the uh, industrial polymer side of things, we do a lot of things like that. We do, and I know I put you on the spot, and we could go on. You know, we've got the Economic Research Institute. You have yep. the Lake Erie Grape Research Center. We've got the Tom Ridge Environmental Center. And they're all having impact and a lot, sometimes they're, they're crossing over with, with each other as well as what they do. But I want to talk about the faculty side of it as well. And our faculty are teachers and people know that, but they're also expected to do research. They, you know, they're, they're trying to make new discoveries. They're searching for grants to fund their work. Uh, and this is all tied in with their teaching responsibilities. I just thought, you know, it would be interesting to get your perspective on faculty and research and how it fits in with what they do here and how it makes a successful faculty member. Yeah, that's, um, that's something that is really top of mind for me. You know, um, I see myself as uh, someone who helps faculty members get their research programs going, get them done, um, uh, helps them to uh, find uh, funding for their research, um, go through the process of applying for for grants, um, all of that stuff. I mean, I think of an active research, and I sort of thought of myself this way um, uh, in my early days as a, as a faculty member. I'm basically operating a small business. You know, I, I I have to I have to find money, I have to find people, I have to uh, uh, deliver on objectives, I have to make I have to report on those objectives. I I've, I've got to put you know I, I've, all of those things have to be put together and. And in the midst of, of some of the other responsibilities, uh, not, not the least of which is, is teaching, um, this can be a real challenge for faculty. So, so you know, I, I see my role and the role of the people that support me in the research and grants operation at Barron as really supporting the faculty and, and helping them uh, to uh, uh, accomplish their goals and sort of take some of that administrative burden off of them so that they can really be spend most of their time being innovative and creative in terms of, of their research. It's really quite diverse what our faculty do, and I always chuckle when somebody would ask and say, how many hours a week do you spend in the classroom, which is a pretty common question. My answer to that always was, well, we get the flexibility to choose when we spend our 70 hours per week working. <laughs> and it, it really is actually very entrepreneurial. It's very diverse what a typical faculty member does, and I think you just described that really well. Now, I just want to add, so, so given that though, what's been the impact of the pandemic on the ability of our faculty to conduct research? Well, um, early on, uh, our senior vice president for research, uh, at Penn State University, um, took the pandemic very seriously. And early on, we kind of shut things down for, um, I would say a couple of months, uh, because really, as you know, People didn't really understand or know. We, did, we didn't have a lot of knowledge about what this was going to be. Um, and so we took a conservative approach. And so we only keep, kept so the, 
the kind of essential things going, like uh, making sure our equipment was uh, maintained and if there were live organisms that needed to be fed and kept alive, um, we did that, but not much else. Um, but fairly early on for, you know, relative to a lot of other uh, universities, uh, we started thinking about how we could get out of that mode and safely conduct research. And so as we moved into the summer, uh, as we uh, moved into the summertime, which is when a lot of Barron faculty are able to get a lot of research done because most mm-hmm. of the teaching happens during the uh, academic year. And so we were able to loosen that up and, and put together pro, put together uh uh, processes that allowed for research to uh, to go on, for laboratories to be active. And uh, I would say that um, uh, we're doing much better than we were, uh, but there's still uh, an impact on uh, of the pandemic because you can't have as many people in the laboratory. Um, you know, uh, a lot of our outreach uh, is person to person outside of the laboratory, outside of, you know, a lot of our folks do interacting with uh with the community, and that's been a little more difficult. Um, they've been able to transition a lot of that to video. But um, I would say right now we're kind of operating in the f- oh, 50 to 75 percent efficiency uh, area uh, relative to where we were, say, um, uh, a year ago today. Yeah, and it's going to take some time, and we will get there, and it's having an impact. Let's, let's uh, go back to the student part of this. And uh, one of the things that we do here at Barron is involve our students to a great extent in research, and we encourage faculty members and reward them. What's the, what's the benefit? How does this add to their education? What's that differentiator that it creates? Well, I, uh, I view research with undergraduate students as part of education. Um, I think it's a key part of, of their education. When I was... Um, at uh, Canon, uh, we uh, uh, instituted an internship program pretty early on in, in the development of the company that I built. And um, we would not, uh, it was a paid internship, it was very prestigious, um, and we would not hire anybody who didn't have undergraduate research in their portfolio. I mean, it, it, it was uh, kind of the floor to get into uh, these internships and more and more that's happening, uh, um, in all fields. Uh, and I think, I think what it does for students is it gives them a lot of practical skills. Um, research is a lot about failure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, it, it teaches you, uh, to persist and it teaches you to, to sort things out and, uh, uh problem solve. Um, at uh, the very basic level, it teaches you to show up. You know, when, when things have to happen, you have to show up and, and uh, you know, regularly uh, uh, meet with people and explain your ideas to other people. So it, it provides a, a really well-rounded set of skills uh, to, uh, to our students. And I do believe that, you know, honestly, uh, any whether it be research or uh, a, uh, some other kind of experiential um, uh, learning uh, as they go through the, their college days, I think that's, it, it's essential these days for, for uh, students as they graduate. It's essential and we can, you really see their maturity build through those experiences in a significant way. A student may go to a company and 
work on an internship or they go to a conference and they present and they come back changed. Yeah. Yeah. You see, yeah. We, you, you've seen that a number of times. And uh, again, it's satisfying to see. It's, it's like a, it's almost like a switch turns on for, for the students. It's, it's terrific. Well, I think that point too about failure. The other thing that I think is interesting for them to understand and is there, there's this, I think, sense that we know so much uh, and we've learned so much as a species, so to speak, humanity, but there's so much we don't know and there's so much we still have to learn and they get to see that pretty early on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Um, I, I agree with that completely. I, there have been many times when I've had a, a undergraduate research student who, uh, you know, who asked me a question and I say, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> Let's try this and see what happens. And they look at me like, what, you don't know? <laughs> no, I don't. You're not the expert. You don't know everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the answer is none of us do. But uh, let's uh, let's switch gears and, and uh, talk about this uh, large partnership that we announced, uh, the, the Women's Health Partnership with McGee Women's Research Institute, the Erie Community Foundation, Hammett Health Foundation, UPMC Hammett, I'm sorry if I missed anybody, and of course Penn State Barron, uh, $26 million, and that's really the starting amount to fund it, which is a nice number to put out there, but it's so much more than that, and you were immersed, you are at the center of this. Give us some background, tell us what this is about. Sure, this is, uh, I think, one of the most significant things that has come along for Barron in a long time. Uh, you know, uh, the McGee Women's Research Institute, in Pittsburgh is uh, the uh, oldest uh, research institute dedicated uh, exclusively to uh, women's health, and it is the largest um, research institute uh, dedicated to women's health. Now, it's taken them 20-some, maybe almost 30 years to get to that point, and they started out as a very small uh, research institute um, uh, at the um, uh, University of uh, Pittsburgh and uh, a- a- aligned with uh, um, the hospital system down there. And now they've emerged uh, to be a very significant player in, uh, in biomedical research uh, benefiting women. Uh, they, see, they see the opportunity to expand into Erie uh, for a number of reasons. Um, one is that um, they have uh, – a need to work with uh, different populations than they are able to work with uh, in Pittsburgh. And so our populations are quite different, uh, both uh, economically, socially, genetically. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it really expands their ability to uh, work with uh, uh, work with our, our residents out here. Uh, secondly, um, a number of physicians, clinical physician researchers, have been coming up to uh, uh, UPMC Hammett uh, for a number of years and uh, practicing treating uh, 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 women here in the in the area, and you know there's a natural affinity for Erie uh, for those for those uh, clinical physicians, um, and so they approached us a couple of years ago saying, hey, we'd like to think about um, uh, locating a research institute in Erie, and as soon as I saw that. I remember distinctly emailing you, Ralph, and saying, wow, this is this is a game changer. This is big. <laughs> we need to be thinking about yeah. how we can participate in this. And the reason they came to us is because, um, you know, biomedical research, clinical research is is a sort of a big game thing. And uh, and we uh, we are Penn State University and uh, we are uh, 
a big player in uh, in in research, being a land grant university, et cetera. Um, and so they were looking for an academic partner, and that's really important in biomedical research. Is you know you you need to have an affiliation with with uh, uh, an academic entity so that so that you know you you can carry out the academic side of of the clinical research. It can't just happen at a hospital. And so um, we put our heads together, um, and uh, it, the ideas got bigger and bigger. And uh, finally, uh, as you said, uh, over a year ago, uh, we made an announcement that the um, uh, that we would uh, all put some funding in, um, uh, funded uh, by a number of entities that you mentioned at, at, at the outset of this segment. Uh, and uh, it's a $26 million start. Um, we... Uh, we started right as the pandemic was was yeah. getting underway, and so uh, you know we're building laboratories at Barron. Uh, we've just finished building a, 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 a translational laboratory. That's where you take the clinical research results and translate them into uh, potential products or potential therapies and things like that. So we've built a laboratory already for for doing that. Um, we've hi- at Barron we've hired a couple of uh, of great new faculty members who are going to be operating in that laboratory and also in the biology department. Um, we started a two new programs in uh, uh, biomedical engineering and uh, biochemistry and molecular biology, uh, which will support uh, that program. And uh, on the uh, UPMC side, uh, there's a laboratory, two laboratories being built down downtown in affiliation with the hospital. And so there'll be a lot of collaboration that goes on between Clinical investigators at um, at Hammett and uh, our faculty members who are doing research in in these areas at uh, at Barron, and so there'll be a lot of back and forth. Uh, we already have uh, so we've already started, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We have a couple. We have we we put out a call for seed grants uh, for collaboration between a, a, a MWRI investigator and one of our faculty members. That was one of the rules they had to have one of each, and we got four applications. Uh, four partnerships that are being uh, started in various areas to uh, begin research. So it's very exciting. It's early days. This is a long-term uh, uh, investment, uh, but it it has the potential to build an entirely new economic segment in northwestern Pennsylvania, which is very exciting. Yeah, and I, I it, it's going to take some patience, but it is very real. When you bring a research institute of the uh, world renown of McGee Women's Research Institute and you tie it with Penn State, it, it really is, uh, very powerful. So it's, uh, stay tuned, but there, there really are great things happening. Now you spent a lot of your recent time, uh, really getting into place and it's about ready to open this new translational research lab in Knowledge Park. It's going to have all sorts of great research tools there and goodies and, uh, but, could you tell us a little bit about what's what's going to be there? And, you know, if there are any industrial partners out there who want to conduct research, it's all part of that open lab philosophy. So that's what you have in mind is that companies and others should be utilizing that space. Yes. Yeah. So we what we've done is we've taken a, a very large room in that uh, in that uh, great building, the uh, uh, Advanced uh, Manufacturing um, Innovation. Uh, tell me the uh-huh. other yep. center, right? <laughs> <laughs> We call it AMIC, yeah, uh, for short. And uh, it's, a, it's a relatively new building, so the infrastructure in that building is fabulous. Um, and we've built a multi-laboratory uh, uh, facility in there. 
Um, it contains a, uh, uh, a specialized room for uh, growing uh, mammalian cells, human and animal cells uh, that you can do uh, uh, experiments on and everything that's needed for that is in there. Uh, all the safety stuff, et cetera. Um, we have an advanced microscopy uh, room in there uh, where we're putting in uh, some terrific new uh, ways of looking at uh, and visualizing imaging um, processes that go on within human cells. Uh, and one of our faculty members that we just hired, uh, Dr. Jeremiah Keyes, is an expert in that area, and he's helped us put uh, the kind of equipment that is needed in there. And so that's very, that's unique in Northwestern Pennsylvania. I would say it's unique in a lot of areas of Pennsylvania. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. I'm Dr. Ralph Ford, Chancellor of Penn State Barron. My guest today has been Dr. Ivor Knight, our Associate Dean for Research and Graduate Studies. And it's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you. Thank you, Ralph. It's been a great, great time.